Welcome to the Leading with Integrity and Skill podcast, presented by Dr. Bill Hostler on subjects affecting leaders across a wide array of venues. The Bible says in Psalm 78, 72, that David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands he led them. That is our goal. Stay tuned for words of encouragement about what it means to be a leader who exemplifies integrity and skill in the home, the workplace, the church, and the community. This podcast is from a series of letters on leadership to my children from dad. This is the last one in a five-part series on daily disciplines. I heard a Christian leader who had a failed marriage say, Early in our ministry, we did not have some of the safeguards we needed to protect ourselves. That is what I want to talk to you about on this podcast. How do I finish strong? How do I come through years and years of ministry without the scars and the regrets of failure? I want to finish strong. One, building safeguards. Self-disciplines will do most of the work. But it is also a good thing to establish safeguards in areas of potential failure or embarrassment. Two things I heard as a young pastor, never get entangled with women or money. I think these two areas have been singled out because so much damage has been done to so many over the years. You and I may have a strong resolution to never let these two things bring us down, but to avoid the fire pot is a greater way not to get burned. Guarding your relationships with other women is imperative. I made it a practice to always have a desk between me and the lady I was counseling. I know a desk is a huge barrier in the minds of many counselors, but for me, it was one of my safeguards. We all appreciate the good work of financial people in the church, but separating functions and having multiple counters is one way to protect those who are involved in the treasury work of the church. There is a sad litany of people who could not resist the lure of easy money. Thinking no one will know, they dug a hole they could not get out of. Good people have gone to jail when things got away from them. A humorous article in the Danbury, Connecticut News Times relates that a hospital administrator was startled to see a patient fleeing down the hall out of the operating room. He stopped the patient and said, Do you mind telling me why you are running away from your surgery? The patient looked at him with startled eyes and said, Well, it was because of what the nurse said. The administrator said, Oh, what did she say? She said, Be brave. An appendectomy is quite simple. The administrator said, It is quite simple. I would think that would comfort you. The patient said, I'll tell you why I ran. The nurse was talking to the doctor, not me. There are times to flee certain situations. The Apostle Paul, author of 13 of the books that make up the Bible, warned Timothy, a young understudy, to run from certain things. He was to evade things that were as ominous to him as the unskilled doctor was to the patient. Timothy was told to flee sexual immorality, idolatry, and the love of money. Each of these things, if not avoided, would bring about the downfall of the young man. He was to run from them as quickly as he could, not stay and try to fight them. The best way to avoid most punches of the enemy is just not be there when he swings. Secondly, keep growing and maturing. Former Harvard University President Charles William Elliott, 
was born with a sizable birthmark on his face. One can only imagine the difficulties the young man faced as he struggled with this noticeable blemish. The birthmark was the first thing people noticed when they met him. Doctors were consulted to see what could be done surgically, but at that time, no help was available. He would just have to live with it. His mother's heart ached for her son and what he had to go through. She knew that children could be cruel and life could be hard for those with such marks. She could not remove the mark, but she wanted to help her son in some way. Elliot's mother decided to help him rise above his misfortune. If he couldn't get rid of the misplaced mark, he would have to do his best to overcome it. She reminded him that it is possible for you, with God's help, to grow a mind and a soul so big that people will forget to look at your face. It is in the inner person where true beauty resides. Americans spend millions of dollars annually to improve their outward appearance while often neglecting the internal person that truly makes one attractive. We can all think of someone who has the outward features associated with beauty, but yet their spirit casts an ugly hue over their being. Physical beauty is only part of the equation. To complete the package, we must also develop the inner person. We need to develop such a big soul that people forget to look at our face. Paul's challenge to the Ephesian elders was to keep battling even after serious problems in warfare. Yes, conflict will come, and at times the growing leader will get blasted. But rather than lay there and succumb to the battle, we need to get back up and keep growing. There are some lessons we will only learn after facing the enemy in the trenches of life's battles. We need to keep praise in perspective. Proverbs twenty-seven twenty-one says, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but man is tested by the praise he receives. We often think of testing coming from adversity, criticism, financial reverses, physical problems, etc. We quote James 1, 2-4 to remind ourselves of the value of adversity. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Or we point to Job as a model for testing and endurance. However, more people may have fallen by the onslaught of praise and success than by problems. Here are a few bullet points others have learned over the years and how to approach this situation of praise. One, don't believe all your press clippings. After a glowing introduction, a leader said, That introduction is like perfume. You smell it, but you don't swallow it. Two, don't brag about the gifts that you were given by God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Three, remember that you are only the messenger. You're not the message. Once Billy Graham was asked how he held up under all the praise that he received, his response was enlightening. He said, The donkey Jesus rode on was not the star attraction. Jesus was. So it is with me. Four, avoid the tendency to depend on the strokes of others. You will not lead well if you are always looking for praise from others. We all like to hear, that was a great sermon, Pastor, but you cannot build your ministry on that.
5. Don't touch the divine glory. Herod, after a speech, accepted the applause of men when they said, Wow, that was the voice of a god, not man. An angel struck him down, and he was eaten by worms, because he did not give praise to God, but accepted it for himself. There will be those who hang on your words and may talk about how great you are, but keep it all in perspective. Six, develop a backbone so the fear of man doesn't paralyze you. You cannot lead by always assessing the favorable winds of the crowds. The very idea of leadership is showing the way. If you fear being criticized, you too often will lead the way of least resistance rather than the way which is most effective. God said to Joshua as he assumed the reins of leadership from Moses, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua 1, 7-9 7. Accept who you are. You don't have to try to make yourself bigger than life. Mental and emotional health is shown by an honest evaluation of who you are. Paul said, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. How sad when someone tries to boost themselves in the eyes of others by distorting reality. You don't need to stretch your accomplishments. You never need to fear someone bringing up your exaggerations if you simply tell an accurate story the first time around. And avoid the necessity of always trying to be number one. You will never be able to be, always be first, so don't try. And finally... Don't think you need to be talking all the time to prove how good you are. Some of the most educated and accomplished people that I know often speak the least. They are confident in who they are and have nothing to prove by trying to show off for others. And eight, conversely, don't think of yourself more lowly than you should. We are to be humble, but constantly belittling ourselves to artificially show humility or to receive the sympathy of others does not enhance our leadership status. A Christian pace-setter cannot lead from a cold heart. A Christian pace-setter is bound for trouble if he fails to observe and heed the daily personal disciplines of spiritual development. And regardless of how long you practice them, you can never let loose of them. Come back tomorrow and keep looking into the face of Jesus. This is the last of our five podcasts on practicing our daily disciplines. Join us soon for another podcast on leading with integrity and skill. You can follow me on Twitter at Bill Hostler or like us on Facebook at Bill Hostler or on the web at BillHostler.com. And this has been a production of Leading with Integrity and Skill podcast. 